0: Magazines and Monsters episode 16 Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers number 3
1: Man you come right out of a comic book
0: Hey everybody Billy D aka Doc Strange here back with another episode of the show This time around, it's for Jack Kirby Month, and uh, just uh, in case anybody wants to try to sue or anything, this is going to come out a couple of days into September, so don't get excited. You can contact my legal department if you don't like that, but it is being recorded in Jack Kirby Month of uh, August. So, uh, just want to talk about the King of Comics and uh, a couple of issues in particular of Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers, which, you know, from the show notes, if you read those kind of things, you'll be able to see, but... Uh, you'll also be able to see my guest for today, who is, you know, a special guest and somebody that, uh, has been, uh, interacting with me on Twitter for a few years here now. And, uh, he's very important for another reason as well. And that's because he is, believe it or not, the president of the Alpha Flight Fan Club. Oh my goodness. (laughs) The lies and deception. Oh my goodness.
2: Everybody put your hands together for Charlton Hero. How are you, buddy? (laughs) I can guarantee you that's one fan club that I do not head up, sir. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? I thought all Canadians loved Alpha Flight. Oh, my goodness. I'm wearing a puck t-shirt now as we speak. (laughs) Heavens no. Heavens no. I do not like the Alpha Flight, sir. But I do like the Jack Kirby and Captain Victory stuff. So I'm glad you invited me over today. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a good time and a good shoe. Yeah, like we talked
0: about off mic a little bit, you know, Kirby, once he got away from Marvel and DC and started doing his own things for these smaller publishers, you know, he was uh, given carte blanche and still owned the characters and stuff like that, which, you know, you know, both you and I are glad to see something like that because he should be uh, revered for everything he's done. And he should have been, uh, you know, compensated a lot better than what he was as well. So we can just uh, say that much, I think.
2: Yes. And I think that uh, that kids listening to this podcast, if you do. Create a character or, or or a property. I think it's important that you don't give it away for peanuts. I think that's that's the lesson and morale story we're about to hear during today's episode, sir.
0: <laughs> yeah, at this stage, go to image. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're darn
0: right. If, if you're going to go to Marvel or DC, just uh, play with their characters and then leave. And you want to create your own character, go somewhere where you can own it because that's if, where the money is.
2: <laughs> if you have the next Walking Dead, do not bring it to Marvel and take a two hundred dollar check and a bag of pretzels
0: yeah you know well yeah and you figure this day and age of netflix and all these other streaming services they're picking up things left and right from even from image creators in the last 20 years shows and stuff like that so that's you you get a an option and they put a tv show or netflix series or something
2: like that out there you're you're gonna make way better money and they will literally literally make anything into a show right now they're they are they are you know you, you, mm-hmm. It would have to be pretty bad for them not to make at least an eight-episode Netflix series or Amazon Prime series out of your stuff right now. So <laughs> they're taking all comers. Yeah, yeah, in this day and age,
0: with all the streaming services and competition, they're they're willing to, to roll the dice on just about anything, which is, you know, it's great that people are getting opportunities, but uh, it's a lot of crap out there. Then. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Amen, brother. Hmm. All right. So, hey, yeah, Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers. So, this is a a title that I'm not super familiar with. I had a couple issues bouncing around here, but you are a huge fan of this series. So, why is this series something that you really gravitate to?
2: OK, so I think we're going to start a little bit with my history, I guess, with Jack Kirby. OK, so mm-hmm. um, I guess, you know, my my comics buying fandom began in about probably 1981. I remember pulling, uh, you know, new Teen Titans number one off the rack. Now, how I began collecting comics, my mother used to work in a convenience store. So at the end of every week, you know, all the magazines would would get their covers stripped and she was allowed. The owner actually gave her any of the books that you wanted now that spinner held a ton of comic books so i used to get all kinds of coverless comic books okay mm. so hence began my uh, my comic buying uh uh you know i i, I guess I don't, I don't even know what it, a passion maybe i guess
3: mm.
2: <laughs> sure <laughs> because one, mm. once i started reading these coverless comics of course then i wanted to buy my own i wanted to figure out you know how these stories concluded etc cetera, etc cetera. so i began you know diving deep into comics now when I dove into comics, it was a little bit of a different situation. We had John Byrne on the rise. We had George Perez. Uh, you know, these were, you know, what I was looking at in my pages. I was a DC nerd. So, you know, I was into Batman. I was into Robin. We had Gene Colan on Batman. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we had some heavyweights behind the pencil, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I remember strolling into a store, and this was maybe 83, 84, maybe someone can correct me. And I saw Superpowers number one. Now, I looked at that and I was like, "What in the hell am I looking at here? This is the most, this is the worst version of Superman and the Justice League I've ever seen." So you know, (laughs) it was just terrible. But I bought it anyway. You know, I I was a DC fan, so I bought it, and I'm like, "My God, what? Who is this person, and why? Why do my DC characters look so strange and bizarre?" And I really, really didn't have an affection for Jack Kirby. I was like, wow, Jack Kirby, oh my goodness, I really, really, really dislike this art. Because like I said, I was I was a Byrne fan, a Perez fan. You know, that was what I was looking at, like absolutely magical illustrations. And this looked old hat to me, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. as time went on, Chris decided he liked to draw some comics. So he started out, obviously I couldn't mirror Perez, and I'm like, hey, well, absolutely, I can do Jack Kirby. Then I sat down and tried to draw like him, and I'm like, what the hell? This is Mm -hmm. even more hard than George Perez. I mean, look at the detail. And all of a sudden, I began an appreciation of this guy. So then I started going through, you know, some of the old quarter bins and all that type of thing and start pulling a lot of Kirby out. And I just became a fan by proxy. It just, you know, it it took over my imagination. I saw some of his early works through Marvel Saga. You know what I mean? A lot of it was Mm -hmm. reprinted, Jack Kirby stuff. And I'm like, man, I, I think I really dig this stuff. And he just wore me down. I mean, his his art style and the intricate detail of everything that that I saw, you know, just blew me out of the water. Once I realized what I had in my hands, so then I strolled in through a store and I saw PC Comics. Now I loved anything indie because I lived in a small town, and you know, normally what I was being force fed was Marvel, was DC. That was about it. Then Comico began. Now comics was out there. You know, you you had then PC was also in the the bins as well. And I saw Jack Kirby's Captain Victory. I had not heard of this thing. I was like, what? There's something Kirby I didn't know. And, you know, I was the guy who walked around with my 18th edition of the Overstreet comic book price guide. I thought I knew everything. (laughs) And and this fell in my lap. And I got the entire 13-issue run and a god-awful special for literally $5. The entire run. Yes! (laughs) And, And I was like, all right. So... Anyway, I enjoyed it, but it was one of these things that I enjoyed by myself because a lot of people had no idea who Captain Victory was. Nobody collected PC comics, and it was sort of like an inside, uh, an inside thing for me. You know, it was it was that indie band you discovered and nobody else found out about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really, really dug it, and mm-hmm. yeah. So now we're talking about a pod. We're on a podcast discussing it, and I was all pumped about that one, sir. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this was a I hadn't discovered this one until very well, I should say very recently, but like yeah, maybe five, 10 years ago, I was like, oh, let me grab a couple of these. And yeah, they're fun. And I feel like for, you know, 1982, this was a fun comic that if you were a kid and you saw this in 1982, you were going to like this comic.
2: So that's exactly what Kirby was going for. If you were a discerning comic book fan, you knew who Jack Kirby was. You know what I mean? If you were into the the 60s and 70s scene, he was the he was the grandfather, the architect of the Marvel universe. And I mean his, you know, when you think about the characters that he created with Captain America, you know, Thor, the Incredible Hulk, Fantastic 4, I mean the the list is endless. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's publishing on his own and is going by his own rules. I mean, if I knew the backstory at the time, this would have been, you know, a absolute smash. But, you know, it was not the age of the internet. You know, the the general public were not, you know, told what to buy at the time. So you sort of had to discover this on your own unless you were reading, like, the comic journals or something like that. You know what I mean? You didn't know the behind-the-scenes machinations of what was happening in the big two. So, you know, looking back on it, you know, this would have been super exciting for me. So, I'm I'm excited about it to this day. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And anytime
0: anybody gets the chance to, you know, write what they want to write and draw what they want to draw. And then, like we said, you know, still own the characters and stuff like that. That's that's a that's a
2: win for creators for sure. And I, and I think we both agree that, um, you know, when an artist writes and draws their own stuff, one of those usually parlays into their strength and the other into their weakness. And why don't we just go ahead and say that Kirby's strength was his penciling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He's, and he's so good at it. Even if you're a marginal, you know, writer, it's going to make your writing look, (laughs) you know, way less than even, you know, Decent. So that's, that's always a tough one to go into there. there. There's very few comic book creators that can pull off strong penciling and strong writing,
2: especially well, in the same issue. <laughs> I think that, I think that Jack Kirby, you know, wrote comics from his own perspective, you know what I mean? From his own mm-hmm. life, from his own, you know, he, he, he really wrote what he knew. So some of his dialogue was really, you know, um street tough, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh yeah. boyhood, childhood gang type lingo and, you know, you know, smacking the lady on the ass type of thing. You know what I mean? It's the, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's that type of mentality that, uh, that went into Kirby's work here. And, you know, you really saw that it was Jack literally behind a typewriter on this one. It it really, really comes out of the page.
0: Yeah. I mean, some some people kind of beat up on his writing. Like I don't, it, the first time I read his new God stuff, I didn't yep. particularly notice like, oh gosh, this writing is horrible because no, I was just was... really blown away by the, the visuals You know, the 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 dialogue was very secondary to me. I mean, obviously, if you take a magnifying glass to it, it's maybe not as good as if someone else that's a stronger writer would have done with it. But it's still really a lot of fun.
2: It was very of its time, very of the uh, you know the hippie generation. You know what I mean, with the mm-hmm. groovy daddy and you know <laughs> yeah. all all yeah. the lingo that went at that. You know what I mean. It's very heavy. Now he mm-hmm. avoids the the groovy and all that type of stuff here in Captain Victory. So he's attempting to update himself a little bit here. So that that's it's it's kind of fun just to see him uh, you know dodging sixties bullets here. It's fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, we still get, like we talked about off, Mike, we still get some uh, interesting dialogue here, which <laughs> <laughs> in uh, 2020s, you know, vision is uh, <laughs> probably not something uh, certain people will uh, appreciate. But yeah, it, it's it's a, it's it's a, a little, its as my
2: kids say, uh, as my kids say, it's a little sus. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's it's of its time. So keep yes. that in mind. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, yeah, you already, like you said, have the full run of this. Um, so uh, what? uh What were your thoughts on the first couple of issues there that you have?
2: Well, let's first set the table and tell everybody exactly what Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers is is about. I mean, it's basically, yeah, it's like a space sci-fi story. Now, it's about a guy, like a courageous captain, called Captain Victory. Now, he's in charge of a starship, a giant starship that roams the galaxy called the Dreadnought Tiger. You know, so basically... The Galaxy Ranger, Galactic Rangers, are like a group of intergalactic peacekeepers, okay? Now, they Mm -hmm. work for—now, you know, take a drink if you heard this before. They work before for the Federation. So their job (laughs) is to protect planets for people who pay dues for their protective services. So to get help from, you know, Captain Victory and gang— you gotta pay. You gotta pay to play here. So, but the captain will be right there. If you paid your little dues, they will be on board, and they'll take care of all you know, all the bad guys who fill up your universe here. So, <laughs> now, Captain Victory is not alone though. The cap is helped out by his comrades. So first is Major Clavis. I hope I'm 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 pronouncing that properly. Mm-hmm. So he's his African American second in command. You know, he's he's the top intelligence master and a skilled master of war. Kirby loved to layer in like unusual, you know, almost grotesque characters and you know, one of his tropes is, you know, like a lion type character. So he had his typical lion man, his name was Terran, who was the team's gunner. So, you know, uh, a guy coming from, you know, you know, world wars and different things. He, you know, he always had a military influence on a lot of his artwork and so, you know, having a gunner on the team was another popular Kirby trope. Now, he was also super diverse before diversity was cool. And he had, like, an alien humanoid fish monster named Orca, <laughs> which would probably get him a lawsuit in today's era. But anyway, he had Orca on his team, who was the team's special ops, you know, soldier. And he was like a green fish-like character, big fins on his ears, almost like the creature from the Black Lagoon, if you're thinking about it. And rounding out the team, as I said, Kirby liked to go into the grotesque, so he always had the mysterious Mr. Mind, a.k.a. Egghead. <laughs> it was basically a grotesque, humpty dumpty type character who, you know, flew around his own little mini flying saucer or life-sustaining device, as it was called. Now, Mr. Mind is like the team's navigator. He was like a bald egg that sat in this little ship and floated around.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's
2: pretty hideous. He's pretty hideous, wouldn't you say? What do you what do you think
0: of Mr. Mind? Uh, I like him quite a bit just because he's weird and he just does like, you know, whatever he wants. Like, you know, Captain Victor, Captain Victor would be like you're not coming on this mission he'll be like oh yeah i yeah. am and they'll like fight it out and he'll be like yeah i'm coming whether you like it or not
2: <laughs> <laughs> now mr mind is super jacked so you know he can make projections with his mind he can mm-hmm. mute people's powers and he can also alter reality which comes in which comes in hand in the third issue we're about to discuss but there's a little bit as we go through the 13 issues we get to see that mr mind is a little You know, there's something going on there in the background, so. But anyway, Mr. Mind is protected by the team because he's super important. He's basically the navigator for the team, and, you know, his intelligence is, you know, needs to be protected. Now, good guys wouldn't be good guys if there weren't bad guys, and the bad guys in this one are the Insectons. They're like a giant insectoid armored race of warriors, and they're ran by the dangerous leader, the Lightning Lady. Now she possesses like mind control powers over the minions. She's able to manipulate energy like th- like lightning and their mission is to create a hive world and grow their race to take over the universe. He man, oops, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: Now oh, yeah. This... Think, think about that. So that's the setup. Now that's not the first issue, but what what do you think of the you know the origins of of this you know think about Kirby so he was a sci-fi fan okay mm-hmm. think about some of the possible origins that were you know gone into this 1981 82 issue where do you think he he derived some of this you know inspiration we will say from what do you think
0: well i mean a lot of the characters to me you know uh, like you said uh Taran you know the dog lion type guy he's like straight out of commandy
2: you know what I mean? yes sir <laughs> exactly bingo
0: <laughs> yeah and then you know Captain Victory he basically looks like thor and kind of you, know, you know acts you know like who, the captain well,
2: victory who, literally is icarus from the eternals he's just oh, missing yeah, his yeah. little little dials on his chest yeah
0: yeah yeah that too um i can see that too and then i'm trying to think about the other guys orca doesn't really remind me of anyone no. else that he'd already created that might be
2: somebody that's it's it's new sort of new he's sort of like one of the um in humans that we'll see in fantastic four his name escapes me right now but very similar i think but uh yeah I, oh, like there's there's lots of influence there oh but, triton you know, yes exactly he he's, triton, he maybe. reminds me a little of triton i think
0: okay and then so, I mean, uh, mr mind i don't
2: know about him man i don't know any kirby uh, I'm trying to think I, th- I think that came straight from the loins of jack kirby yeah. raw and unsheltered on, on there on that one but oh, i yeah. think you know I think this one, you know, Kirby just came off a successful run with, um, you know, what was the movie? 2001? Yeah, Remember when? They, yeah, so they had the big 2001, you know, adaptation. He created uh, Machine Man out of that whole deal and all that stuff. So he was, mm-hmm. you know, he was in the know when it came to sci-fi. Now, breaking it around this time, we had Star Trek on TV, you know, in the 1970s, of course, Star Wars broke out. Then one that seems a little bit... You know, almost a little bit too close to this one is Battlestar Galactica, the original run. Now, hear me out on this. Now, fans might be going, "Wait a second, this is not Battlestar Galactica, heathen." Well, when you think about it, one of the everybody associates Battlestar Galactica with the Cylons. Okay, mm-hmm. they're aboard this giant starship, which they are. You know, the Dreadnought Tiger. They have mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a a diverse, you know, basically they're they're Rangers. They're up there protecting the universe. You know what I mean? Same, same, same. And one of their villains is called the Ovions, which are an insectoid race, which is very, very similar to what we're seeing here. So I'm seeing a lot of Battlestar connections here, believe it or not. What do you think of that? Well, I loved that show when I was a kid, just because, you know, I went to see Star Wars and
0: you see Star Wars. But that was just movies, something that was on television that you could see every week that, you know, kind of mirrored Star Wars was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, now going back on looking at it, it's like. Yeah, you know, it's a, you know a little cheesy. It was a TV budget and stuff like that. But I, I, I think st- it was of still... its time, though. I think it did well yeah. for its time. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, I still do enjoy watching the show because of the uh, ladies that are on that show.
1: Oh, <laughs> think,
2: uh, God bless the tailors that mm. uh, that were working for Battlestar Galactica because, you know, you, you, you did a Yaman's work there, my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, and and also, if you take a look, you know, a lot of the classic Kirby tropes there, especially, if, you know, fourth world stuff pop up. So, you know, where we see the Insectons, they're basically parademons repainted green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, we get to see a lot of that. But anyway... Anyway, let's let's dive into issue one, okay? Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Captain Victory and Major Clavis, they're on an alien world. Now, this is infected by the enemy. So, the Insectons have already taken over. They're trying to build this home world into their brand new hive. And, you know, Captain Victory and Clavis are there, and they start to battle. And Captain Victory is killed three pages in. Uh-oh. Yes, right away. <laughs> so, here you So one of the beauty parts, we open up with a giant splash page and Kirby tech is everywhere. We get to see Captain Victory's gigantic tech helmet. You know, the planet, you know, the planet itself, the hive is classic Kirby. Then we meet the, uh, you know, the leader of the Insectons, the Lightning Lady. And she is all the way, you know, almost inhuman sector, uh, you know, type of type of vibe to her. She and her army flee the planet. You know, because because you know they don't like being you know overrun every single time they go to set up a hive. The Galactic Rangers are there and bust them. So their plan is to go to the very edge of the galaxy, out of the Galactic Rangers' jurisdiction, because they know that you know, the Galactic Rangers only take care of those who they who are paying them. You know what I mean? So they're gonna find a place where they can hide out where the Rangers will not detect them. Any ideas where that is? Um, where? Where? <laughs> Well, it's Earth. What a shock, no, everybody. No oh
0: way.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> now, meanwhile back in the Sick Bay, we see the deceased Captain Victory. Now, I bet you there's one thing you don't know about Captain Victory. The Captain Victory you're re- you're reading in issue 3, do you know that that's the 10th version of Captain Victory?
0: Mm, okay, he is actually
2: he is actually a clone and every time he dies, his memories are transferred via a memory transfer unit. There you go. Free, free knowledge, everybody. So now (laughs) we flash forward to earth to Spartanville, Colorado. I don't even know if that's a real deal. Is that a real place? I'm, I'm Mm. from Canada. I don't know. I'm suspect Uh, that it's it's a fake.
0: Uh, uh, I don't know. They have, uh, they legalized weed out there. So who knows what the town (laughs) names are now?
2: They might, they might've changed them all by now. It, it can be it can be called anything <laughs> after the first blunt what I'll tell you for sure <laughs> now now with the with the insectons you know causing havoc down on earth uh captain victory shows up and the police surround him and he reveals the giant ship the tiger looming over above and that's where we leave issue number 1 now issue number 2 opens up right out of the gate Mr. Captain Victory's got some splaining to do because, you know, these people on Earth have never seen, you know, such giant ships just lingering over their head. So, you know, we go back to the cops where Victory has been taken, you know, back, basically back to the station. They think that this guy's a bit of a nut, you know what I mean? He's telling them that there's going to be an alien invasion, that an insectoid race is about to take him over. Nobody believes him. Of course they don't. Then we flash back to the insectons. Lady uh, Lady Lightning has taken command of the minds of all the insectons, and they are revealed to be of one mind. So here's where they really rip this off, you know, Battlestar Galactica, because the Ovion and the Ovion leader basically did the same thing. They're of one mind. Whatever the leader tells them, that's what the insects do. So I think that was a little bit of uh, a bit a little bit of lifting there. So anyway. The hive project is undermined, so they found a little spot on Earth where they're starting to build this giant hive. You know, basically when they build a hive, what they do, they prepare their insect race almost like a birthing ground. So, you know, they're they're basically setting up, you know, a, a birthing unit to, you know, mm-hmm. multiply. Basically, that's what's happening. Yeah. A lot of the humans have now been taken hostage, and basically what they do, they wrap them up in sort of like a, like a webbing. And they, they wait until the time is right to take what they need out of them. So basically they're, you know, they're they're capturing people and, you know, with bad intentions. Now Cap and his friend descend on the hive. They create a giant barrier around the hive and a big fight breaks out. You know, Electric Lady reveals that, you know, she has created something big waiting in the wings. And that's where we leave them off right here. So now episode mm. three kicks in. Talk to them about what happens in issue number three. All right,
0: so this year begins with Captain Victory and his men searching the Insecton Hive. Taran Orca, and Major Clavis all comment on a feeling of dread. Victory orders troops to transport down to the site for an incursion. As the troops arrive, we see that Mr. Mind stowed away so he can help. Captain Victory is against it, but then the leader of the Insectons, Lady Lightning, unleashes her ultimate weapon. A giant insecton that towers above them all. With one <laughs> command, and its only command is, kill all humans. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, these right. man, this this issue, well, there was a, little, a couple of things in here that were a little disturbing. Now, the first one is only a few pages in. I think it's page seven. Uh, When they find the area where, you know, you described earlier, you know, they're, like, snatching humans and using them to further the hive. Yes. They, they're like all trussed up in this, like, uh, what do they call it? I'm not sure even if they say
2: what they almost call like it. A but... sack, almost like a weave sack that they have all these human bodies just stuck there. It's, it's similar to when a spider, you know, catches catches a fly or whatever and just, you know, weaves yeah. them into this little little cocoon just waiting for them, you know, when they when they get hungry.
3: This yeah, and that Major
2: Clavis, yeah, uses his energy weapon to
0: blast a hole in it, and all these <laughs> bodies start dropping out of it. Somebody says, <laughs> bloated sacks of fluid. <laughs> <laughs> it's really
2: disgusting. Like, I can see this. Yeah. I can see this on screen. What What I like about it, so now that we're covering the first few pages here, I want to mm. point out a couple things. So, mm-hmm. Terran, I think, looks a lot like Man-at-Arms. You know, he, I, I know he's a lion type character, but when you see what Man at Arms looks like in the Masters Universe cartoon, now you got to realize that Jack Kirby is working at cartoon studios around this time. Thunder the Barbarian, he was, you know, intricately involved with, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. did he have a yeah. peek at what uh, what Filmation was doing with He-Man at this time? Because guess what? Look at Captain Victory. Who does he remind you of?
0: Mm, maybe prince
2: adam <laughs> he's got he's he's definitely got a he-man head on that body right there He sort of got man-at-arms he's even got orko in egghead there mr mr mind so i mean you know you, mm-hmm. you got all the masters of the universe tropes right in here before masters of the universe was even a thing so that's pretty cool mm-hmm. and he also uses a couple things like captain victory has a wrist communicator a la dick tracy you know what i mean
3: yeah so think of, i like think that. about
2: it yeah, he's got sort of the iPhone now. Now he he beams up to uh, basically, I guess, home office, and he tells him, "Hey, listen, you know, we got a we got a battle going on here with the insectons. We need a whole bunch of special weapons." And then he uses the phrase where he goes right back to the sixties, and I need them on the double.
3: <laughs>
2: oh man! Oh man! Yeah, that's great. But like you said, it, like
0: the artwork is just so excellent in these. Like page two, that huge page where it just shows all four of them. You know, Clavis and Terran and Orca and Captain Victory that is an incredible
2: page and and the other one he shows uh, like it's a splash of I guess the not their mothership but their home headquarters you know what I mean with all the computers with all the technology the giant bridge he Mm. has extreme levels of detail and you know some of Kirby's You know tropes that he used and I guess not a trope is just some of the things that he always incorporated into his book were splash pages. You know he Mm -hmm. usually began the issue with a bang if it wasn't the first it was the second page. He always had a middle splash and he loved to end it normally you know, with a giant cliffhanger or something to, uh, you know, to leave the fans wanting more back in the Marvel days. But, you know, sometimes he takes a few detours here, and this one's a little bit of an odd one, but he always had the overwrought splash page. It always came out of nowhere, and it was, you know, no secret here. I mean, he went out of his way to detail technology and a little bit more than, you know, what you saw in the DC ones because I think his last run at Marvel, you really got to see that he was a little bit disgruntled and probably not putting the level of detail that he had, you know, when it's his own work. So it's a big
0: improvement here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like the new gods too. You know, that stuff he did for DC where he almost did in a lot of the books like chapters. And at the beginning of each like quote unquote chapter, there was a splash page. I love that.
2: Oh, I did too. And, and the thing with the, he was a way ahead of his time. So, you know, everything right now and today is written for the trade. You can't walk into a store and pick up like a one and done comic, unless it's like a kid's book. Okay. If you're reading Batman, you know that this story is going to go four to five issues and it's going to be collected into a trade. That's the way it's written. And his whole idea behind new gods or, or well, new gods saga uh, was to basically make it into one giant tome, a, you know, a finite story that had a beginning and an end with these mm-hmm. characters. So, you know, he was thinking well, well, well ahead of the grade as he always did with a lot of his creations. So, very yeah, cool. for sh- for sure, yeah.
0: All like that double page spread though you said about on page four and five. That's incredible. You see Captain Victory to the far left on like a view screen. He was saying to, to to get the get the troops ready and send them into the you know the 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 Beam them down, Scotty. And then in the forefront, on the right hand side, the right page, you see a guy there with a headset on talking to him. And there's people up on like a another level, two levels. And there's people, and you can see them walking around. There's like a console screen and computers
2: and stuff. Oh, the amount of detail, like you said, it's just it's mind numbing. And the Kirby Tech is signature. So I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. He used a lot of rulers because everything has, you know, it's not loose. It's it's very, very geometric. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everything is angular. Everything has, you know, geometric shapes, lots of circles, lots of triangles. But it all fits together. It looks like complete alien tech. And this is something that, you know, I'll talk about a little bit later when Jack Kirby, some of his stuff got, you know, converted to animation. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll just just remind me to talk about that a little bit later because you really got to see it on full display and you can check it out on YouTube. So I'll bring oh, it up. Uh, yeah, I, I
0: like uh, the very next page too. He's uh communicates with someone else up on the ship. And uh, the guy says, captain, I'd like to make a personal request. And he says, yes, mother hen. I hear, you <sighs> loud and clear. I hear you loud and clear. I know the insectons as well as you do. And he goes, would you please get the hell out of that hive? <laughs> <laughs> mother hen.
2: There you go. That's
0: great. The guy oh, kind of
2: looks a little Kirbyish too, doesn't he? He does. Yes. He always seemed to put himself in these books, you know what I mean? The older general yeah. <laughs> was always that's jack great. himself. Yeah, he loved it. that was great. It was great. Cool. Yeah. And then the guy's
0: uh talking to uh, thinking to himself and he goes that "Damn fool hero." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh man, and then you, there's that page again, bloated sacks of fluid. That's disgusting, man. Oh. That's really that's disturbing for a comic for kids, but eh, 1982's kids probably had a little bigger balls
2: than the kids for now. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit of a V-nut. Uh, a Anyone that follows me on Twitter know that, you know, I really, really love V the series back in the day from uh, mm-hmm. Kenneth Thompson. Yeah, Johnson. that was creepy. You know? Yeah, that was creepy, but they did the same thing. So you had the alien, you know, the lizard race come to Earth and they basically captured humans, you know, did all the same tropes here. And, you know, they also, in their mothership, had these large humans collected in these similar sacks. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they read an issue of Captain Victory. Maybe Ken Um, Johnson was, uh, you know, a a Kirby fan, we'll say.
0: Well, I'm telling you, you know, I think that, especially when comics, you know, especially 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know, that, that window there where... They had gone from the huge numbers of the Golden Age and then, the you know, the hearings and all that stuff and like dwindled down and then started to gain more momentum. It seems to me like a, a lot of the pulps and movies and things of that, the Golden Age kind of helped inspire some of the comic book content. But I feel like it's it's it swung back around at some point, maybe around this time where a lot of the things like the Kirby's of the world were doing started inspiring
2: more of the, uh, the movies and the television instead of the other way around. Oh, you know, you know, that was the case. I mean, mm-hmm. I think people don't give the golden age a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of respect. Books were selling in the millions. Okay, mm-hmm. they they were. This wasn't not this. It wasn't a thing where you know you had the popular artist jump ship to you know Image Comics and all of a sudden they're they're making these million dollar comics. This was not X Force and X Men number <laughs> one exploding. You know what I mean? No. This was no. you know this this was the real deal. These things were selling organically. You know they didn't have 500 variant covers or a poly bag. It's literally sold off a newsstand. <laughs> and you were lucky to get this thing, you know, in, in in a 5 out of 10 condition when you got it home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they were they were disposed of. They were basically trash,
3: which mm-hmm. is scary in
2: itself. But, you know, you never yeah. underestimate the golden and the silver age of comics, my friends. Mm-hmm. Never. For sure. They, but they sold some books.
0: Heck, yeah. And then page 9, too. That's what that splash page where it shows a couple of these Insecton guys. And like you said, they kind of... Sort of reminds you of, uh, you know, something earlier Kirby did, parademons, right? But they're still pretty neat. I like them.
2: I do, too. I I really like – he always does a lot of tech work. So you're never going to see just a basic costume where, you know, it's – you know, I think Fantastic Four was probably the – he's really resisting adding tech to their suits. You know what I mean? Where it's just, you know, Mm -hmm. just a jumpsuit with a belt and some boots. With yeah. a pair of underwear, you know what I mean? That That's about mm-hmm. as low-tech as he got. Normally, it was giant, elaborate, ceremonial-style costumes. If you were a god in the Kirby universe, you were highly decorated, we'll say. You know what I mean? He went out of his way to add a lot of, like, ornate uh, properties to the uniform. Big gloves, big dials, you know, angular belts, all kinds of strange, strange stuff. And it really legitimately looked, you know, it looked alien. So... My- I'm Am anxious I thinking- to see. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Am I thinking correctly? Maybe Thor and the Inhumans? Is that kind of when he first really started doing that, maybe? Because I'm thinking earlier than that, it was mostly just jumpsuits and costumes and stuff like that, yeah.
2: wasn't it? Yeah, the Fantastic Four, when he came out of the gate, you know, a lot of that stuff. It was, yeah. So, I mean, you t- talk about his work early in his career when he worked with Simon, and he was creating, you know, Fighting American and then Captain America and different things like that.
3: You mm-hmm. know, he was
2: basically your you know, your flag waver type characters. You know, you're all American people. Now, one of the things that he did do, on like just a basic level, he was heavy into romance comics. So there's Mm. actually Jack Kirby romance comics. So if you're a romance man and want to get romantic with your lady, why not show him some, you know, some crazy (laughs) Kirby romance comics? You know, know one of the things that always, always like, you know, what was a turn off for me? Kirby's women were were not the most uh, beautifully rendered, we'll say. They had these really oblong, egg-shaped, sideways heads, giant eyes that seemed stretched. I don't know. It was really it was it was offputting to me as a kid. I appreciate it now. I love his Sue Storm. You know what I mean. But it mm-hmm. was really. Oh yeah. It was a it was a little weird to me at the time. Like I said, I was used to seeing you know Donna Troy by George Perez. You know what I mean. Then you go yeah. to Invisible Girl by Kirby, and you're like, what happened to the lady's head? What? Yeah, or like you know a, a
0: Mary Jane by Ramita Senior or oh, something like oh that. God. Yeah. Beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> now you're talking. Now you're cooking. Oh, man, but this Mr. Mind character, uh, this might be one of my favorite Kirby characters. <laughs> this character is insane. He shows up, and all the soldiers start, you know, coming off of the ship. I guess they use, like, a drop ship, almost like they did in yeah. the second Alien movie, an Alien. So all these guys start coming off this ramp and running out like all gung-ho. <laughs> Suddenly, and you see this Mr. Mind guy. He looks like, like I said, like an egg, just the egg, and he's got this scowl on his face, and he's got... It almost looks like he's in a a, a, a drum turned sideways. <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, and he goes out of my way, soldier boys. I can swash and buckle with the best of you. <laughs> that's great. Swash and buckle. I love it. <laughs> yeah, to me, that's like you know we said earlier about how sometimes you know people beat up on Kirby's dialogue. To me, that's hilarious. I like oh, that. that's, that's some, no, that's that's great. fun. That's great. That's yeah, fun. you can
2: appreciate it now. Back in back in back in the day, though, you're like, oh. <laughs> cringeworthy but no it is fantastic i love it so good yeah
0: and then he gets a uh, captain Victory's he's like what are you doing here and, and the look on his face he's like got this oh i'm in trouble <laughs> look
2: on his face
0: but oh yeah great interactions between the two of them and then when uh lightning lady here uh releases her uh giant beast on the next page he smashes through a wall that looks really cool too but she reminds me of trying to think of one of his other characters this lightning
2: lady she i almost feel like is it the inhumans or something like yeah, i don't know she, she's, somebody. she's she's almost like a um yeah she's definitely one of the a cross between one of the eternals maybe cersei and maybe medusa from yeah yeah I think you know there there's definitely some some stuff put in there but he's really gone out of his way to make her insectoid looking like he's got the you know the sector's bug eyes and the giant you know hive like hair you know he's really added those details that that make her look alien I I love her design actually but Yeah that
0: first panel there on page 12 where uh, the, one of her minions are talking to her she she has everything you described but she still looks pretty sexy man she could bite me or sting me anytime I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she looks pretty good.
2: <laughs> that Kirby, he's a dirty bird.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had no problem drawing uh, drawing the ladies here and uh, giving them some uh some good scenes. But man, that creature goes busting through the hive here and starts attacking, and you know the guys are not having a good time uh, trying to stop it here, and it's throwing them around and biting them and killing them left and right. It looks like, and then uh, Captain Victory decides. Uh, he's gonna go after the the main
2: lady herself that's uh, one of my favorite parts <laughs> yeah oh, oh no no that's hilarious so so they give a bit of subtext so The entire issue, you got Mr. Mind, Mr. Egg, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, he's fighting, you know, constantly to get involved. He wants to go swashbuckling, like you said. And he's Mm -hmm. always, you know, going out of his way to jump into the fray, you know. And every single time he's turned down, this is the second time. In in issue two, he tried to get involved as well. And Captain Victory's right there saying, absolutely not. Get back there. You're too valuable. You know, Mm -hmm. we cannot lose you because, you know, basically you're the navigator. You're the intelligence of our entire operation to lose you would be, you know, dramatic, would be, you know, cataclysmic to their entire campaign. So, and plus, he's the actual last member of his race. So there's no more of these Mr. Minds around. He's, he's it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless you want, you know, you want to, you know, breed with them and create a whole new world of egg people, which would be disgusting in itself. But anyway, I digress. And uh, anyway, he gets involved. And like you said, right now, Lady Lightning sent this giant monster rampaging through the hive. It's coming right at him. You know, the body count is is elevated all the way through. Captain Victory doesn't know what he's gonna do. And Mr. Mind actually steps in here. Mm-hmm. Talk about what he does.
0: Oh, I love it. You know, the whole time they're fighting back and forth. Uh, captain's trying to tell him to get out of there. And <laughs> Mr. Mind is like has um kind of a laser gun and he's shooting. And he says, exhilarating, isn't it? Exhilarating, my dear captain. <laughs> so he's, a, he's, a, he's an egg, but he's a killer. And captain says, return to the ship or suffer discipline, Mr. Mind." So he's <laughs> he's still he's on
2: the protocols. Yep,
0: he's calling his ass out. Yeah, and he blasts him with his ray. And it says that one of the soldiers says, it feels colder than ice. And then Mr. Mind says, his condition is purely psychosomatic. I merely switched his thoughts from murder to cosmic temperatures at a fascinating ultimate and the guy the captain says great great and it does it looks like he's frozen in snow <laughs> looks like he's from canada here like he's oh a wait a canada. second yes. oh here we go here we go more alpha <laughs> fleet <Flight> jokes please <laughs> but yeah it looks great i don't know it's just it almost looks like a like iced over, but then on the top of the image, it almost looks like some kind of an electrical type of effect. It's really neat. Like Kirby crackle, I guess maybe you want to call it or something.
2: Oh yeah. No Kirby. I mean, when you talk about, you know, when it comes to uh, drawing powers and showcasing powers, you know, we, you mentioned the Kirby crackle, you know, signature Kirby thing. I mean, it's literally, you know, a free forming wave. And then you got like a series of dots intermixed with different colors and, you know, Mm -hmm. very, very simple design. But you talk about effective. I mean, this this looks spectacular on the page. When when Kirby draws, you know, powers, he really gets it through. You know, it's not just, you know, what you see in in basically low-hanging fruit like manga, where it's just, you know, a series of lines. You know what I mean? He added mm-hmm. detail, dots, and, you know, a, a lot of, like, if you look at some of his later work, he actually did etchings, which basically he added texture to his work. You know what I mean? Wow. So, say, for example, yeah, something was like a little um i don't know had some stubble to it you know what i mean he'd literally put his pencil over it and just you know sort of draw that in for for texture it really it was really really cool what he managed to pull off.
0: wow that's really neat yeah and before i forget i brain farted here at the beginning of the uh issue uh created written and drawn by jack kirby inked and lettered by michael i would say thibodeau yeah. and colors by steve olive and the colors in this there's nothing over complicated or you know anything you wouldn't see just it's pretty much just all primary colors but it looks great like it, can, it, everything's great.
2: Can you imagine inking Kirby tech? No. <laughs> you you would you would you would have to have, you know, a a basically a bathtub full of ink to 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 literally ink Jack Kirby because I mean a lot of his a lot of his artwork is heavily defined contrast. So, you know, it's a lot mm-hmm. of lights contrasted with darks. And that's how he showcased a lot of his, you know, technology. It was, you know, you, you take a look at a lot of the earlier pages. That's exactly what he does. You know, there's a lot of computers that are basically black, but, you know, he'll have a dial that's in the middle of it that just makes it pop. So everything that he does is is heavily inked. And it looks beautiful, man. Like, original art for Jack Kirby must be spectacular to look at.
0: Yeah, I have a couple issues of... um I can't remember what it's called. It's from that company Tomorrow's. It's almost oh, like yeah. a bigger oh, yeah. book that's like treasury size, but it's just all Kirby stuff. Kirby collector, Jack Kirby collector. maybe. Oh, Those things are unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Yeah. One of them I have is a, it's, I think it's a, almost a hundred percent, just Thor stuff. And some of the pencil, uh, you know, uh, images they have in there, like, you know, copies or whatever they call them. Oh my gosh. the Just the pencil work. You, you could just do pencils without even any inks and it would still be a really good looking comic book.
2: That's what I mean. If you sat down and tried mm-hmm. to to physically match Kirby on pencil, it's impossible. Yeah, it's, Im- and the guy, it's impossible. Yeah, it's, how, it's just how many a style onto its
0: own. And how many pages a day, a week, and a month was that guy doing too? So it's not oh like you God. know he was only doing one book a month or one book you know every two months. The guy was pumping out stuff at an unbelievable rate, and that's to me what really, undoubtedly, his unbridled imagination and creativity and his output. That's what puts him above
2: everybody else. He's in a class of his own, <laughs> oh, no doubt. And not only that, he had a very economy of style, you know what I mean? He had a yeah. lot of signature poses that he used a lot. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the one that where he's almost running towards you and he's got the hand out, the classic Kirby hand, you know, oh I mean? yeah, jeez, that looks so cool. Every time I see it, it doesn't matter if it looks, you know, looks the same on fifty different covers. I'm just blown away by it. You're like, yes, look at Captain America. He's got his hand out and the shield behind him. And, you know, Bucky's jumping. It's it's just beautiful. So good. So good. Yeah, the guy was just unreal. And
0: like we were saying, too, about inkers, you know, a lot of people point to Joe Sinnott as, you know, one of the best inkers, if not the best inker ever for him. I I love Sinnott, but I'm a little partial to uh, Mike Royer. I like oh, yeah. what he, oh, he did over Kirby stuff. But this looks really good. This looks this reminds me of Royer's inks uh here this uh Thibodeau so he did a pretty
2: good job too I think this was collected didn't tomorrow's collect this I haven't seen it but I think this was this was redone with like you know the new coloring process I would love to see how this came out you know with mm. brilliant because right now we're looking at it with like old age newsprint and you know it's really washed out and you know a lot of the colors got lost but just imagine this with a nice glossy page and intense coloring man this this must be beautiful yeah, that's for
0: sure. Like, that's one thing, you know, a lot of the newer stuff that's been redone and recolored. Sometimes with certain artists, it doesn't really add yeah. to it. Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes it even detracts. But Kirby, I think sometimes the crazy bright colors would even make it look. I don't know about I don't know if you could say better, but it, it would really look really good on it. I can say that much. His stuff it, is it's, it would be good. It would he's one of the few styles
2: it would work with. Oh, yeah. Where Where do you sit on recoloring?
0: Um well you know I don't I would rather the original stuff yep. than than uh, newer stuff now the only time I was ever like super turned off by a recoloring was uh, I think it was around maybe the turn of the century you know early 2000s there where dark horse got the license for conan and
2: ooh, ooh. yes carry on Did
0: some, but uh i thought i'm gonna grab these trades because i know a lot of the uh, older conan stuff's gonna be expensive and i'm not gonna be able to afford it so i'll grab these trades they were like 10 bucks or something you know or 15 right. bucks like and i grabbed those and opened those up and i thought oh this isn't too bad and immediately upon getting a few of the original issues i thought this is god awful
2: oh man so, <laughs> original, so here's yeah stuff. The original issues were way better. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, I mean some of the some of the you know some of the Conan you see Savage sort of Conan in in black and white is just beautiful, and I don't think it needs anything oh. extra. But when but when you layer color on top of it, it takes something away from it. To be quite honest with you, so here's where I stand. So when Marvel re-released, you remember when Marvel Masterworks first came out? It was you know mid '80s, probably later '80s or whatever. They reprinted them faithfully. Um, you know, they just enhanced the coloring, you know what I mean? They didn't really change yeah. or embellish anything, yeah. Now later versions of this, they actually changed the color. They added a bit of extra shading, you know, some, some colors, you know, that were outside of the four color spectrum. I didn't like it. So I, mm. I got an issue of, uh, it was a, it was a trade of the Alan Moore swamp thing mm. and they had recolored the entire book with today's coloring technology. Oh it no. It looked like trash. T A R T R A S H trash.
3: Could wow. not stand
2: it. Oh, it was it. So that's where I sit. If you know, if you're going to enhance the original, I'm cool with that. As long as you know, if you got a nice white, crisp colored page and the colors are popping, but you know, it's trying its best to retain the original work, I'm okay with that. If you're taking and recoloring, reshading and redoing the entire page, no, you know what? I forget it. I, I'm not interested.
0: Yeah, I ended up buying those trades of uh Alan Moore Swamp thing that they put out a few years back. There's there were six volumes of them. They're they're not like normal trade size, I don't think. I think they're a little bit right. smaller. But those right. are really good because the, the the coloring in those is great. I'm pretty sure yes. that mirrors
2: what they did originally and I love them. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. So you know, DC in particular does a really good job um, lately of just reproducing their material. You know what I mean? And I think Marvel's yeah. on because they've got those, you know, those super cheap reprint editions, the facsimile editions that they have out. So you know, people yeah. are on to the con that you know the people who read these books originally, they they want the candy that they love to steal a a you know a line from Rob Liefeld. You know, they they don't want a <laughs> rehashed version. They they want what they had when they grew up. And if yeah. you can give them that in a, like a in, in a little bit of a better presentation, then, you know, it's a win-win.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, just to
0: give you a little heads up, uh, spoiler alert here, if you're a fan of the Alan Moore Swamp Thing run, keep your eyes peeled uh, between myself and my uh, comic book brother from another mother, Herman. We have a little project coming up uh, where we're going to be talking about that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'll be listening. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> oh, so yeah. How, back how, to, how back does to... Captain
2: Victory get out of this mess?
0: Well, it's funny, he uh, confronts uh, 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 Lady Lightning here, and at uh, at the behest of Mr. Mind, he's like, well, if you want to end this thing, go get the main lady, pal, and he's like, okay, but then when he shows up to grab her, she's surrounded by children. (laughs) Yes,
2: well, she's basically using them as hostages, so, you know, you can't attack me. She barricades herself with kids, like the ultimate ultimate cop-out, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. The dirtiest tactic you can use. She she barricades and shields herself with, with human children. So you know that Captain Victory and everybody else is not going to fire on just kids.
0: Yeah, and then uh, Mr. Mind pulls some little trick on her here, and it looks like one of her own monsters has gone nutty here. And it throws her off balance, and Mr. Mind's in the background with this I, I think... creepy smirk on his face. <laughs>
2: I think I think what he does, he uses his projection powers and he cast, you know, he makes the children appear to be a, a monster and she gets horrified and runs away. You know what I mean? Which gives uh-huh. Captain Victory the opportunity to do his magic.
0: Oh, yeah. He grabs the lady and says, let me take you out of all this, babe. You deserve uh-huh. the big time. <laughs> he throws her over his shoulder and just starts like caveman style running out with her. It's great.
2: <laughs> just think about it. You're, you're building up. You We've gone three issues here now, you know, captain victory. Can't wait to get his hands on, you know, this big insectoid. Uh, I am not going to call her queen. I, I guess she's just, you know, <laughs> she's, she's a lightning lady. Mm-hmm. And, and what he does, he just literally grabs her and picks her up and throws her over his shoulder. And we're, we're, we're done. <laughs> well, she, she kind of wiggles away from him a little bit and says, you can't hold me, Captain.
0: You are lacking in exercise. And he says, I catch up quickly, honey. It's an old talent oh. of mine. <laughs> he grabs <laughs> her again and takes off with her. And then Mr. Oh. Mind like, with his creepy look on his face again, like he's enjoying this. <laughs> oh, man. Disturbing. So great. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then so here comes some more of those minions, too. But then once the, the queen is... Uh, goes missing. They don't know what the heck to do. And then they're like, let's just kill everybody. And this huge brawl is breaking out. And then, you know, they up on the, sh- I guess he's going to take her up to the ship there at some point, but then uh, the military shows up, but it's a good cliffhanger. Cause it leaves you, you know, right in the middle of a huge battle. And, uh, and uh, the military showing up, too, and it says that can
2: only mean one thing, the fighting airborne coming up next. So it's it's just weird that they ended on like a little like a mini panel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kirby, Kirby's whole thing is to have that that giant hook to get you into the next ep- issue. You know what I mean? This looks mm-hmm. like it's missing pages.
0: <laughs> you know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> or like but- it ended quickly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, and a the problem. reason why it ended quickly was because they had a backup feature in this one. So I guess you know his original uh, art maybe it did get diced up a little bit. And you know, I I have not reread the the backup feature, but uh, tell him what it's all about. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm so sure, sure, your listeners would love to hear it.
0: I'll, uh, I'll I'll tell you just I'll I'll get into it a little more, but I'll just tell you what I've written down. It just says Ms. Mystic backup, boring low hanging fruit. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Here's, here's, what that's, here's what that story's all about. See, I don't know a ton about Ms. Mystic. I just know, I knew it was a Neil Adams character that he created, you know, wholesale that he owned it and all that jazz. Um, it's just like literally a four-page story where it shows uh, a bald eagle flying around and some goofball hunter guys and they shoot it and this makes, she's apparently in the area and this uh, pisses her off so she comes down and slaps the guy around and then Picks the guy up and takes him into the air and uses her little, you know, uh, magical powers or whatever you want to call it to kind of make him resemble a bird. And he starts flying around and a bunch of other hunters are like, hey, let's shoot that bird. And, you know, it's like, you know, a kind of a a, a morality play, like don't shoot endangered species.
2: Okay, we get it, Neil. Thanks, buddy. Oh, yeah. This is this is heavy handed 2020. This would fit perfectly in 2021.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, man. They were doing this 10 years earlier in the Defenders, you know, when, you know, the Hulk beat the crap out of two hunters that were on a preserve hunting where they shouldn't be and shot a deer and the Hulk kicks the crap out of them.
2: You're right on the money. <laughs> you're
0: exactly right.
2: Yeah, this so is like, it, it, it feels a little bit out of place, too, because you go from Jack Kirby, a very, very highly stylized artwork to the clean, ultra real lines of, you know. Neil Adams. I mean, it's it's literally a shock. It looks like it doesn't even belong in the book. Like, you know what? It, it hits you in the it hits you in the sack. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, wait, what is this? Yeah, it is huge
0: contrast. And it's not even like it's the same sort of material either. So it doesn't no. really make a whole lot of sense. But I mean, hey, you're Pacific Comics and, you know, Neil Adams is like, oh, you're going to let me do a strip here in the back and probably pay me a decent amount of money and I'm going to own the character. Sure, I'll do it. He ain't saying no to money. Like, let's be oh. real here. Hell no, hell. No. He's still
2: he's still doing it to this day. That Neil Adams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's still I've, shocking people.
0: I've never met the guy personally, but he does seem to have you know a head that won't even fit through a, a double wide door. So <laughs> I'm sure he was like, "Of course you want my pencils in this book." <laughs> well,
2: well, listen when you when you draw like Neil Adams, it's it's hard to dispute. I mean, it, it's beautiful, beautiful art. Oh yeah, I love his work. Love it content be damned because this is not this is not a good story and you know uh maybe this may be the only piece of affordable Neil Adams artwork you'll probably ever be able to buy but uh, but yeah it's uh it's it's not his finest hour we'll say yeah so yeah fun issue overall
0: fun yep. series overall I'm gonna hunt down the rest of these two because I definitely want to see more just you know again even if the story's just okay just the artwork in here by Kirby is still amazing that you know he was still at this level you know what 40 years after he started in the business so that's crazy.
2: Oh man, I mean his eye start was starting to uh you know take a downturn here so he's starting to struggle with his art but you'd never say it because it's still top top notch, you know what I mean? I really I really think this is this is Kirby at some of his best work. I mean, you know, it, it's not exactly as razor sharp as some of his other stuff, but I think the concepts and all that stuff are definitely 100% pure Kirby and it's great to see
0: yeah. And if you're just looking to read a fun comic that, you know, you can read a bit of an ongoing story or you can just read the issue and be like, Hey, that was fun. This is for you. So definitely, you know, you, you hit, hit the bins for it because I think I saw the uh, issue one's going for a couple of bucks right now, but you can, you know, sh- you know shops and eBay and probably get the rest of the series except for that first issue for like a yeah. couple of bucks. It's not bad.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think if you manage managed to hunt down the like the last few issues of this series, You know, Kirby basically tells the origin story of Captain Victory, and this is where it all seems to tie together with New Gods, because, Mm -hmm. you know, he, you know, New Gods was a series that he produced for DC after he left Marvel back in the 70s, but it actually makes a play to say that, you know, Captain Victory, as I said before, is the son of Orion, of the New Gods, and he plants all kinds of clues around, including, uh, you know, he tries to say that he belongs to Captain Victory's father that was identical to, like, Uh, Almost like the Astro Harness that was ridden by, you know, Orion earlier in the series. So, I mean, you get to see that type of stuff. And visually, you're like, if you were a New Gods fan, you're like, oh, my goodness, that's exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. Not only that, Captain Victory's grandfather, who's known as Black Mass, is, you know, only illustrated as almost like a shadow. But a shadow that you'd know right away is Darkseid. Which is wicked, you know? What I mean? so,
0: <laughs> that's great. They're
2: so like, yes. So you know, he he's sort of trying to mesh this all together, and I think in hopes that one day maybe he would be able to, you know, revive his new gods. Maybe somewhere else. Maybe he got the, uh, you know, got his his works back. And that's the that's the terrible tale of the end of the Kirby saga is that the poor guy made all these creations, but never really got credit until recently for it. And you know, it was long after his death where he was able to, you know, actually recoup you know, everything that he was owed. And and maybe, maybe not as much as we thought, but, you know, when you talk about comic books, you cannot have that conversation about the beginning of Marvel or the MCU without talking about the contribution of Jack Kirby. And, you know, when you call him the King, yeah, he's the architect, man. He's the guy who ground level created the universes that we're watching on our screen right now. And, you know, hats off to the King, man.
0: Yeah. It's a, you know, you can always argue back and forth some of the minute details about certain names or costumes or whatever, but there's no denying that the the comic book uh, industry would be vastly different if not for uh, the mind of Jack Kirby, just oh, his yeah. fingerprints are on everything since, you know,
2: the 1940s
0: <laughs> early I, I, or late, think, late thirties even. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, his work with Simon and his work a little bit later on with, uh, with Stanley. I mean, you can say whatever you want about, you know, Stanley's contribution to the industry in my opinion stanley is is you know uh, an important an important part of marvel comics and the combination with him and jack you know are the foundation of marvel comics and what we know today in pop culture so i mean you know we were really really lucky man growing up in the you know the 70s and 80s or whenever you grew up and got to experience that because mm-hmm. you know a lot of a lot of the great works kids are enjoying today and uh, you know it's uh, it's really great to see when you're walking around and you see you know uh, a, a kid wearing an incredible Hulk t-shirt done by Kirby, you're like, yeah look at that it's beautiful. So
0: yeah, yeah there's no better time to be a comic book fan than right now just simply because of all the material being reprinted either in the singles yes. or trades like I started and I mean they've been out for a few years now and I'm a little behind on the uh, trend here, but I started getting some of these issues of comics that either it was a licensing thing or it's just you know, the material, the original material is just, you know, way out of my league financially, but like Kirby, you know, right there at the beginning of the Avengers, well, I have these Epic collections that Marvel's putting out and I bought, you know, the volume one of the Avengers, I'd never be able to afford those books, but there it is, you know, there's all that original material from Kirby and it's just
2: fantastic. I love having them. It is good. And yeah, I mean, you know what, you're right. What a better time. I mean, you can criticize the comic book industry of today with the newer material but what a bet, there's been, never been a better time than to get the collected older stuff. So, I mean,
3: mm-hmm. listen,
2: there's books out there for every single person. So, what I'll tell you if you are a comic book fan, a lapsed comic book fan, go out there and just find what you like. Don't beat down someone else because they like the new version of, uh, I don't know, The Legion of Superheroes, for example, which I don't, it's garbage. Uh, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I had to fit that in there. I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? All your stuff is out there. What you liked as a kid is somewhere in a trade. Go find yeah. it because I mean, it's there and probably in a better condition than you've ever read it before. So, there's a full market out there and a full world of of comics to enjoy. And you know what? If you're if you're a father who's got a kid up there and the only thing he knows is YouTube, hand him a hand him a uh, an essentials trade and sit him down and mm-hmm. read it to him. I'm telling you right yeah. now, it's it's an experience that I hope everybody gets to experience. What a great time to be a fan! Yeah,
0: if anybody's just you know. St- starting to get into comics now, maybe because of the MCU or something like that, definitely do yourself a favor. You know, go backwards and see where all this stuff started, because it's, you know, it, it, you know, with 2020 goggles on, you know, it's going to be a little bit like, well, that's a little this or that's a little that. That's that's fine. But, you know, just do yourself a favor and uh, definitely uh, get educated on where all that stuff came from and who's really responsible for all this. You know, it's all those big names on the movie screen are great, but those guys that are producing and directing would have uh, had this material, if not for the Jack Kirby's of the world. Yep. It came
2: from a pencil and a drawing table in a basement.
3: Mm-hmm. I tell you what, man,
2: the, the amount of, um, I think that he always said, and, um, I, I like one of his quotes where he says, you know, being a comic artist is like being, you know, making movies with an unlimited budget. You, mm-hmm. you never, you never had to worry about, you know, budgetary constraints, because the budget was your pencil. And if you could do it with your pencil, you can imagine any world and uh, you know what a world he built mm, absolutely so all right any final thoughts here buddy no listen seeing captain victory uh, again you know was it was a great uh, was a great time as usual and you know being a fan of the original and getting to experience it again and you know hearing someone else bounce some ideas off me was a great time and i was just uh, super happy to be invited billy so thank you for having me sir
0: surely and then uh, if anybody wants to uh, look you up what are the outlets you know i know you're on twitter obviously and then uh, oh. how about your blog as well
2: all right so let's talk about twitter if you want to argue with me about gobots, come over to uh twitter <laughs> at charlton underscore hero yeah i'm one of those uh underscore guys so at charlton underscore hero i try to respond to everybody you know as long as we keep the conversations uh you know constructive and fun let's go let's let, let's talk uh, I'm also super proud of my uh, blogging contingent that you are a part of as well. It's called the Superblog Team-Up. Uh, you know, we do four quarterly events on a, you know, a one unified theme. And, uh, you know, we got some fun stuff coming up in October with the Super Blog Team-Up. And, uh, you know, if you check out hashtag Superblog Team-Up or hashtag SBTU, you're going to see a whole wealth of uh of content and great bloggers out there so you know do your best to check that out so yeah that's chris bailey and my blog is the superhero satellite so it's uh charlton um charlton hero at wordpress.com and you can find the superhero satellite where i go on with all kinds of retro ramblings about all kinds of stuff that i enjoyed as a kid from comic books to wrestling to tvs and movies it's all there have some fun let me know what you think that's chris bailey
0: yeah. And the good thing about the super blog team up is even if you just find one of those blogs that participate in it, you know, just when you scroll down to the bottom, everybody has everyone else's, you know, links to their blogs listed there too. So you can definitely, you
3: know, something, you'll, you'll something find for everybody every taste
0: for sure. Oh yeah. And if you want to, uh, uh, fight about, uh, uh, who, uh, the best wrestling organization is too, definitely hit up Hero for that. <laughs> <laughs> I have
2: thoughts. I have thoughts, Billy.
0: Uh-huh. That's another thing they can uh, come at you at. Just be civil, but go ahead, go go get them. Find them on Twitter. <laughs> do, do, do not send me any alpha flight material. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, again, thank you. I appreciate you coming on, man. This is a it was a lot of fun, and uh, looking forward to uh, harassing you again in the future. I'll have to find something else that's a little off the beaten path that you and I both have a love for. Uh,
2: this was fun. Sounds sounds <laughs> sounds groovy, Daddy O. Looking forward to it. <laughs> all right babe <laughs>
0: all hail the king yeah, First, for sure all right so I'll be back in a minute
1: to wrap things up Jack Kirby is an important name for you to know because Jack Kirby's career spans the entire history of comic books from the early 30s right up to today Jack Kirby when he began had one of the most uh, energetic styles of any artist. His work practically leaps off the page at you. In the 60s, he went to work for Marvel Comics, where he created the Fantastic Four, the Hulk, uh, the Silver Surfer, and a host of other characters that you all know in collaboration with a man named Stan Lee. This was the basis of the new Marvel House of Ideas, and it again revolutionized comics, and Marvel Comics became the most popular in the world. In the uh, 70s, he worked for another uh, comic house, DC, and created the fourth world, Kirby's fourth world. There were three comics, The Forever People, The New Gods, and Mr. Miracle. And in this uh, uh, triumvirate of comics, he created a whole new universe of characters with a, a lifestyle and with a philosophy that was his alone
3: I see that story first I feel that story first I know those people first when I put them down they've already lived and I put them down as I'd like them to live on those pages my stories are very sincere my stories are people's stories and there's elements in my stories that are very very real and it doesn't matter what the subject is and I've done stories on a wide range of subjects. My inspirations were the fact that I had to make sales. And I had to come up with characters that were no longer stereotypes. In other words, I couldn't depend on gangsters. I had to get something new. And of course I, for some reason I I went to the Bible I came up with Galactus. And there I was in in front of this tremendous figure who I knew very well because I've always felt him and I, I, I certainly couldn't treat him in the same way that I would any ordinary mortal. And I remember in my first story, I had to back away from him to resolve that story. And, of course, the Silver Sephir is the fallen angel. And when Galactus relegated him to Earth, he stayed on Earth. And that was the beginning of his adventures. And they were figures that had never before been used in comics. They were above mythic figures. And, of course, they were the first gods. And I began thinking along those lines. And the new gods evolved from those lines. And I began to ask myself, everybody else had their gods, what are ours? What, what is the shape of our society in the form of myth and legend? Who are our gods? Who are our evil gods? And who are our good ones? And I tried to resolve them in the new gods. And I came up with some very, very interesting characters and very good sales, which satisfied, satisfied me immensely. Now, I didn't resolve the questions. I'm a guy who lives with a lot of questions. I say, what's out there? And I try to resolve that, and I never can. I don't think anybody can. Who's got the answers? I sure would like to hear the ultimate one, but I haven't yet, and so I live with a lot of questions. And I find that entertaining. I find that entertaining. And uh, if my life were to win tomorrow, it would be fulfilled in that manner. I would say the questions have been terrific. The comic book medium itself is special. It's something that was, uh, that's a result of uh, evolvement. I, from what I understand, the editorial comic was first and then they added a few panels to that and you had a comic strip and they added a few pages to that and you had a comic book and what we can add to the comic book uh, we may have to think about that so I believe that's the interesting part of the entire field is to say what is it where is it going? How it will evolve? And we experiment with that every day.
0: All right, everybody, that's it for episode 16. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, you I want to say a big thank you to Chris, uh, my buddy, Charlton Hero, for jumping in here to talk some curvy with me. Yeah, he's a good dude. So definitely check out the links in the uh, description for the episode, and uh, give Chris a look. He's got a good blog, and he's you know overall a good dude. Uh, next episode is already uh, set in stone and already recorded, and. Edited and all that jazz. It's going to be a classic 1950s sci fi movie with uh, a previous guest who I uh, really enjoy uh, talking to about an old school sci fi horror movies. So definitely uh, look out for that one on the 17th. Alright, take care, everybody.